Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The perception, nay, the reputation of the ACC is at stake here. Let's discuss it with a man from the Triangle who knows a thing or two about the Atlantic Coast Conference, Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Luke DeCock, how you been, man? I'm good. I'm good. Good to be back. Good to be back from Syracuse, most of all. Mm. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, do you – listen, um, I, I like nerds most of the time, and I'm joking about the nerd thing, but, like, I, I, I don't like the way the Atlantic Coast Conference is treated and the way these narratives are framed, and I listened to Steve Forbes go off about the, the metrics and the net ratings, and uh, I heard John Shire pumping up Wake a couple of nights ago. I, I tend to agree with these guys. What What do you make of this? Is, is this all just crying and – complaining to you i i think there are certain cases where the metrics probably don't adequately reflect reflect the strength of a team i think wake forest is one of those cases because their roster has changed over the course of the season they've gotten better um but the reality is like the human brain is not capable of calculating the relative strengths of 300 and something basketball teams uh, playing 30-something games. I mean, metrics exist for a reason, and one of the reasons they exist is to sort through data that no human can can do. And and, and the reality is, like, Ken Palm, for how much people hate it and complain about it, is a scientific correlated measurement of a pr- team's predictive strength. And it works well enough that Vegas uses it and various proxies to set betting lines. So, Obviously, the people who actually have skin in the game take it pretty seriously, and nobody takes it more seriously than the people who set odds lines. So, yeah, on the one hand, like, you kind of are what your record says you are. Like, we have metrics that measure how good we think you are, like Ken Palm or BPI. And we have metrics that measure how good you've done, how good your wins are, how bad your losses are, like wins above bubble and strength of record. Like, we know these things. Like, th- these formulas exist. We're, we're out here trying to figure out what the strength of gravity is when we already know. Um, the problem is, if those metrics don't favor you or they, you don't like the way they assess your team, um, you know, then you've got to create other narratives. And, and look, there are times where you can say, hey, the eye test. Um, nobody can watch every college basketball team in the country and adequately assess their strength um, with, with a pen and paper or in their head. Um, you, the eye test, we're just talking about subconscious and sometimes conscious biases. So for all that, all that said, is Wake Forest better than their metrics? I think probably in Wake Forest metrics, whether it's the, and, and I don't like the net, that's a whole nother conversation or eight quadrants. That's a whole nother conversation. But when we're talking about the, the real metrics, the ones that are actually statistically sound, um, Wake Forest have gotten better as they've won games. And that's what you can do is if you go and win games, those things tend to get better to reflect the perceived increase in your strength. So all of that is fine. The reality is, yes, there is a nationwide narrative attacking the ACC for reasons I don't quite understand. It may just be that the ACC has been on top for so long that everybody's kind of taken their shots at it. It may be as simply as the ACC, which is going to get five teams into the NCAA tournament, despite what Joe Lenardi says, and maybe six. The ACC is typically used to getting eight or nine bids. So, there is probably an overreaction to a, a real lack of strength. 
that comes off as saying, oh, the ACC is only going to get two teams in or the ACC is down. ACC is down from its great greatest days from 2019. Tough to have 15 teams all be good at the same time. It's going to be really tough to have 18 teams all be good at the same time. But the ACC is, C is still a 5 to 6 bid league, and there are teams like Wake Forest um, that are going to be really hard to beat down the stretch. So that's a very long answer to your question. So, I, But I do think the metrics – reflect some of this and some of this is sort of a, a created narrative no long answer but a good answer I, I appreciate that now you were covering Syracuse and Carolina as you mentioned there a second ago Syracuse lost by 36 in Chapel Hill then they turn around and, and knock off number seven Carolina on the road I, I the, the stat that I saw and I knew it was somewhere in this neighborhood but at the time um, I don't know what it is now. I think it's the same, but top 10 teams on the road this year in college basketball, 33 and 34. So in some ways, this is kind of college basketball in 2024. At the same time, though, if you're following along with Carolina and you know what their aspirations are and you think the roster is maybe better than it was during last year's failure, is it fair to expect that they don't take a loss like that? Or is that just college basketball? You know, I, I think we look at this game differently because it was their third loss in five games. People forget that that Duke one was in there. But if you, if you look at the Syracuse game in isolation, two things happened. One, North Carolina wasn't as good defensively as it has been at other points this season. There's no question about that. And they did change some things in terms of how they defended Syracuse's guards in the second half. It didn't work. But, um, you know, certainly there was a little more room for improvement there on defense. But offensively, it was one of their top ten performances of the season in terms of, of shooting percentage and efficiency. Defensively, it was the best shooting performance against North Carolina in nine years. And only some of that can be accounted to bad defense. Sometimes, as Roy Williams would say, everything looks better when the ball goes in the basket. And this is you now you're on the other side of it. So look, Syracuse's go-ahead shot was a banked-in 40-foot three-pointer with a guy who had three seconds left on the shot clock and thought he was out of time. Like JJ Starling throws up a prayer, it goes in. UNC never leads again. It thing when things like that happen, sometimes you just got to tip your cap. Now the problem for UNC is. Third loss in five games. Defensive performance has been declining. There's no question about that. Um, that's a, a worrying trend. But the Tar Heels also benefited from some really bad three-point shooting by their opponents in the first part of the season. That's not something you can really defend no matter how much coaches talk about it. Three-point shooting is kind of its own deal. Um, it tends to regress to the mean. And I think that's what you've seen over the last couple of weeks is Teams shot really poorly against UNC from three-point range. Now they're shooting really well. Is it because UNC is playing worse defense? There's a little of that there. Is it because over the course of a 30-game season, that stuff tends to even out? No question there's a lot of that going on. So, as I said, if this wasn't the third loss in five games, I think you kind of just tip your cap and move on because it did look similar to the Georgia Tech loss and it did look similar to the Clemson loss and it looked similar to the near miss at Miami where they almost choked the game away at the end. And their late game execution against Syracuse was terrible when they were still in it. You know, it's a two possession game with two minutes to go and UNC turns it over four times. Uh, so, you know, when you look at it in terms of some of those trends, then yes, it is sort of worrying. And, you know, I wouldn't say that it's, it's necessarily a turning point or any of that, but I do think there's a bit of a crossroads here for the Tar Heels that their season's going to go one of two ways from here. They can continue down the path they've been on for the last two weeks which despite the win over Duke is certainly not great, or they can get back to where they were and pick it up and, and, and roll through fe the rest of February and into March. So I don't think it's a crisis or time to panic, but I do think that they're kind of, um, you know, two roads are diverging here and they got to figure out which one they want to be on. 
Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, longtime sports columnist. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Uh, Duke hasn't played since Monday, I guess. Uh, they beat Wake 77-69. They've won three straight since beating, pardon me, losing to Carolina. Uh, they've beaten Notre Dame, BC, and Wake. Are we seeing development and improvement from Duke right now, or are they simply more talented than the three teams they've beaten since losing to Carolina? I mean, they're more talented than the first two. I think the, the Wake win was a good performance, and I think they needed those other two wins to be in the position mentally and physically to play that well against Wake, in part because, you know, they got found out a little bit against North Carolina. I mean, John Shire was really unhappy with their effort. Um, you know, not going for loose balls, not hustling on defense, things that, you know, at a program like Duke, you kind of take for granted sometimes. And so I think it was important over the next two games going into the Wake game that Duke show that that message had gotten through, you know, in the old days, they would have, you know, put all the clothes, all the Nike gear in the hallway or locked them out of the locker room or, you know, made them practice at midnight. You know, it's, it's 2024. Coaches don't do that stuff anymore, but John Shire has ways of getting his message through. And I think what you've seen over the last three games, those two, and then a good win against a good wake team. I mean, John Shire is not BS in that. That's a good team. And they're a much better team than they were two months ago. Um, but Duke needed to show some improvement to play as well as they did against Wake, and I think that was a, a positive sign, a positive trend for Duke. I don't think you can say that, oh, they figured it out or they've turned a corner. It's still a team that's got some flaws and needs to show, show some more toughness at times. Certainly it didn't against UNC or the, the home loss to Pitt. But, um, you know, in terms of the response you want to see from Duke coming out of the loss to UNC, those three games certainly fit the bill. Uh, how much goodwill did, did Jim Phillips buy by keeping this tournament in North Carolina for five straight years? And how excited are you to come to Charlotte for three of them? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, look, I'm, I'm not going to complain about that. Uh, uh, it's, it's great for the state. Um, the tournament's always better when it's here, whether it's Greensboro or Charlotte. So that's that's great. I, you know, I would have liked, I think it's time the ACC tournament branches out a little bit. I would have liked to have gone maybe to Pittsburgh for one of these or Boston or Tampa or back to Atlanta. Um, you know, I think, I think that that would, the tournament would benefit a little bit from some of those changes of scenery. I love that. We're not going back to Brooklyn, um, where it's a nice arena. And I know the big East people love it and Brooklyn's great, but it's just, nobody knows the tournament's going on there and it just feels so, uh, inadequate, um, when it's up there. So yeah, it's fine. I, I think it's a little bit of a missed opportunity. And obviously I'm really angry and frustrated that the tournament in 2028 is not going to be in Greensboro or Raleigh because I've been saying for five years that for the 75th ACC tournament, they ought to play the Tuesday games at Reynolds. And I had, you know, I wrote that. I lobbied for that. I've had positive conversations with people at the ACC. And, you know, they just took another good idea and flushed it down the drain. So well, that's, <laughs> that part's frustrating. Today. I think that would have been awesome. I really do. I think that would have been a great event for the ACC to show how the tournament got started and why it means something and why it means more than other conference tournaments. But instead they were just like, Oh, well, it was 75th anniversary. We'll celebrate it in Charlotte, which that's fine. I mean, it's still in the state and the office is there now and all that, but yeah. I just think that's a, a tremendous missed opportunity. Yeah. But, but I, I got a quick question for you. Like I, I got a couple of, of Connecticut train. We got a lot of Connecticut transplants in Charlotte, but like UConn Adam just said, nothing screams ACC quite like Boston. It'd be a snooze fest there. I'm from new England. No one cares about the ACC. I, as as a, an adopted New Englander myself, my wife is, what, what, how could it work in Boston? Why Boston? I mean, it's a great city. People like to go there. It's not a city that, that hosts conference tournaments. And it when the NCAA tournament is there, and I've covered it there, it does really well, and people do care. 
Um, I think that would be an interesting place for the ACC to go. I think it's the kind of thing you try once and see how it goes. Um, Pittsburgh would be amazing because I've covered the NCAA tournament in Pittsburgh. And as my friend Craig Meyer, who used to cover the Panthers, like to say, the Pittsburgh Panthers, like to say, not only are there a bunch of hotels around the arena, it's one of the great cities in America to get drunk for 20 bucks, um, which is one of the things you look for in a conference tournament. Um, you know, Boston, the area around the arena now on Causeway and all of that, uh, that's an area like the area around the arena in D.C. where people can gather. And, you know, that's one of the things that Brooklyn lacks is a place for fans to sort of collide and mingle. And, and that's a big part of what the ACC tournament once was and still should be. I think Boston has that. Pittsburgh would, would have that. Um, Brooklyn doesn't. You know, Greensboro actually does it to a degree. Charlotte does, certainly so. Um, you know, there's, there's pluses and minuses wherever you go. It's great having it here. It's, you know, it's what we're getting for our $50 million in tax money. So you and I, we chipped in, uh, <laughs> but we all did. But, uh, you know, I think there was certainly a missed opportunity to go to Reynolds and, and maybe to, to branch out a little bit in this cycle. But um, as I said, I'm not going to complain about staying in state for five years. It, it'll get a little repetitive as it did when the tournament was in Greensboro four or five years a little while ago, but uh, it'll be fine. Thank you, Luke. You're the best, brother. We'll talk to you next week. All right.